0: Well, hello and welcome to the Adoption and Fostering podcast from the ANF Network, with me, Al Coates, him,
1: Scott Casson and her, Elaine Nichols, Excellent.
0: Elaine <laughs> Elaine
2: Nichols,
1: whichever,
0: whoever, chooses. Who yeah.
1: as long as we whoever. know it's Elaine, that's what I mean. It's Elaine,
0: <laughs> it's a, it's a you'd be like Prince, you know, or Cher, or madonna madonna yeah
2: (laughs) definitely not like madonna um no i didn't get given a middle name at all when i was young the boys have middle names in my family and the girls don't so when i took social media i just made
0: one up oh excellent that makes perfect sense Mm
2: -hmm. cool
1: that's interesting
2: interesting. in my world
0: Um, well it's lovely to have you on elaine and elaine amy amy elaine i'll stop now elaine um It's really good to have you on and we were, for a while, we've got topics, we've got a list of topics and one of the topics has been parent blame and we thought we'd address it. And I thought, who could I get on? I didn't want to get like, I I kind of wanted to get someone who maybe had kind of real experience of working with families and I thought of you because actually I know that you have. So before we get into that, I just have a little bit of a news update because it's been quite a day in our house, quite a day. Okay. (laughs) Sounds like it. I I have been a little bit teary today, I confess. Uh, like a oh. middle-aged man, theory, nostalgia. Uh, I, went, I saw your Twitter. Did you? Yes, I went to um. Yes, I went to my my child's school for her leaving do, um, do presentation. It wasn't a leaving yeah. do in that sense. It wasn't. It was a leaving assembly thing. And it's twenty three so years since I took my first <laughs> child to that school. And so my six children have all traversed through that school. It, I say the same school. It's a different building, different staff. Different, you know, every everything of thing is about is different. And um, I just wanted to mark it really. I don't have any deep insight or wisdom, but um yeah, and then they showed pictures of our children when they first arrived, and then when they left, yeah. and I was all, I mean, all oh, very manly, but I was very, <laughs> very was
2: funny. she did she do nursery at the school then? Yeah, so she's been right through. Oh because oh. we had not not to detract away from your story, but we it was Fine. really sad for me when we got to year six because you, a lot of the classmates, they were all in, they started at nursery with these videos and photographs mm. that they'd compiled. And then ours appeared in junior school. And that was like quite a moment that I wasn't prepared for how I would feel that that was when they came to us and that was when they came to the school. They were already in, ah. uh, one was just about to start year three and the other one was about to start year two. So, and I, I kind of felt like they hadn't had that continuity. So they're, you know, taken completely away from your story. I'm sorry.
0: No, that's interesting because um, my and the emotions elder- of your story. I know, it just crushed me. Uh, my eldest yeah. daughter, she did the same. She was, she came in at year, Oh, yeah. I, can't, I think she would have been seven. So she came in at year, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah, um, two, three, going into three. Yeah. so Yeah. yeah. Odd, odd feelings. I mean,
1: not to detract from any of your stories, but I can trump that completely because when Jacob came to us in year six, we actually got a call from um, Children's Services adoption team mm. to tell us that his old primary school, where he lived in Coventry, had been in touch and they wanted to invite him for uh, a couple of sessions at the school before the year sixes left and to take part oh. in the um, leaving thing oh
0: that's and fantastic
1: there was and they did him a book of all the photos of oh. like year what, reception year one year two i think before he went to uh
2: see i want to ask what school now because as you know i'm from coventry I know. But I feel i'll tell like you later i'll tell you public. later Lane. so did he come to you in year six when he, he would have been no 10, no 11? he came
1: to us in year three but um right they'd remembered him as part oh. of their kind of year oh. sixes leaving kind of thing and that was not, very, oh, not aw, very not very Huh?
2: Not, not to be forgotten.
1: No, definitely. Yes.
0: <laughs> mm, that's int- let's,
1: let's leave it there. Let's move on. You left a mark, like a literal oh. mark in the school. Well, listen, oh. when we got there, they said, oh, these um, tall fences, they were put up because of Jacob, because he got to
2: the school. <laughs>
1: oh. Bless him. yeah anyway, the yeah.
2: stories
1: well congratulations al on doing that and i'm sure yeah. the school are so relieved and have probably made sure they've changed a the they lot so. yeah
2: and i really hope for your sake it really is the end <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Any> <laughs> you, do have,
2: you do have form
0: i <laughs> do have form the, the head ma- head mistress uh, said to me she said really is it really the end i went honestly my third yeah. one i'm not i'm not doing any more i was a government just for seven years as well just a
1: quick question now what about yeah. the grandchildren where are they are they going to the same school
0: um yeah i've not noticed to be honest um <laughs> no they go to it well actually they go to a different school which is just Uh-oh. down the road but there's a whole story about why they end up going to a different school um which is a complicated um yeah. Um, I was just thinking my, of, you know,
1: when, when, when they're a little bit older and they're taking part in all the things at school and you have to, as a grandparent have to go and see them and they'd be like, oh, here they come again.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. They've probably got my knit my face in the window and security will taser me if I come within 100 yards of the door. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, that, that's just by the by, by the by. So parent blame. Elaine, Scott, parent blame. It's, is this a massive thing?
1: Well, can we, yeah. can we, can we kind of do a definition of it first, please, Al? Because All right. I think for, for people who maybe don't know the lingo, like me, um, you know, parent blame, what is it?
2: Well, I think it's lots of different things. I know you were going to answer there, Al, weren't you? But I do have a habit of jumping in right. before you get to it's <laughs>
0: Knock yourself out.
2: Because I was thinking of exactly that. And I was thinking, you know, really, should I be even opening my mouth? on the subject of parent blame because when when you said you know do you want to come do this this podcast and um, and you know we looked at some of the reports and things the first one that I read was the one um, the community care article by PFAN and um, and that kind of parent blame is not the kind of parent blame that I've ever experienced or ever would experience so it kind of got me to thinking of the different kinds of parent blame so you've got you know when you're applying for an ehcp or you're trying to get your child assessed for potentially for a diagnosis so they get support in school yeah there's parent blame that comes with that when you have difficult behavior in your home um, and things get broken and people get hurt you know you can ask for support for that and there's parent blame with that now Mm -hmm. i feel quite equipped with those two but then you've Mm -hmm. got like domestic abuse where women who ask for support are then blamed for not keeping their own children safe now that's kind of way out of our yeah expertise and we shouldn't be the people that people listen to for that and then there's also parent blame which I've got experience of as a professional but not personally of where you know I've come across families where as a family support worker historically um parents were never going to be able to parent they were never going to be able to parent with any amount of support and there's that kind of parent blame that you know they absolutely would have felt blamed and oppressed by the system so for me I kind of thought right now I feel equipped to talk about the first two and I feel the second two I can possibly have conversations about but nobody should be listening to us we are well, yes. not the people
0: we've got you opinions and about everything
2: quite frankly you know i've got two kids that came from a family that that happened to i yeah. should be the last person to be having a voice about what should happen instead do you know what i mean and i yeah. i hold that quite you know
0: well then um, in that case i mean that I guess like you, I thought, immediately thought when we talked about parent blame, that it would be in terms of families like our own, families that reflect yeah. our own experience, which is families who have sought support, have found, found potentially blame through adoption. Maybe the experience of fostering, maybe the experience of schools, and um, but not to that threshold of having children removed. Um, and also I thought that would be interesting from a that you and i elaine we can talk from a professional experience a professional yeah. perspective of going into a home and thinking oh hang on mm. um so there's a whole there's a whole spectrum and we're going to kind of narrow it down onto those yeah. those little ones so what i thought we'd do is we'd um we'd have a chat we'd kind of have a general discussion but maybe come up with some kind of uh, top tips for professionals and top tips for parents or carers foster carers yeah um, and
2: that can only but- be top tips for parents like us can't it really Um, Yeah, but I think there's some
0: transferable stuff into maybe kinship arrangements, maybe foster arrangements, transferable. I
2: didn't mean adopters. I I meant people like parents like us who are never going to be on that heavy end of social care, who have the capacity to parent and need a bit of support with it, rather than who have, you know, generationally had the impact of extensive harm do you know what I mean that that you know and that is a conversation that's still worth having in terms of you know what should happen in terms of you know adoptions being closed if adoption has to happen alternatives to adoption blah 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 do you know what I mean
0: yeah but that's not for us is it as you say no I don't think so I'm going to start with my esteemed colleague, because this is linked in some ways to things like allegations. That's all in the mix of this conversation. You know, people having concerns around parents' ability. I'm going to turn to my esteemed colleague, Scott. Scott, tell me about your experience or if you've got any experience of, and I guess there's maybe two things, feeling blamed and being blamed. <laughs> mm,
1: two distinct yeah, things. I think there is a difference, and there's also something else to add in there, and to, to not mix up shame with blame, because I think that sometimes you can feel shamed by somebody in terms of something that's done, and that's I think that's a little bit different. But I think at the time, or even maybe sometimes in reflection, you'd still feel it's it's a blame thing, um and I really. I I think we've been relatively lucky in that respect because I think most of it washes over us. And I think that's because it's kind of people we are. So yes, um, you know, there's uh, early days, and I'm talking really early days, like within intros, there was um, an allegation made um, about um, a situation that happened. I won't go into details, but I think that was the first time that I felt like I'd done something wrong. Um, And, had I? No, I hadn't. <laughs> Just to be clear. Um, mm-hmm. it was all kind of sorted out you know, within a couple of hours, sort of thing. But there was that there was that kind of worry of it being in introductions and it all going wrong, blah, blah, blah. And then the only second time, the second time it happened was in school. And it was an allegation that was made by my my lovely youngest son, Jacob, when he explained something, but really didn't think about how he was explaining it. Um, and we were kind of dragged into the well actually no we weren't dragged in. We got a phone call from um the the head teacher. Now luckily she kind of understood the background. She knew us, bear in mind that this is like seven or eight years after the first two had gone to the school. Um she un- she understood more about trauma. She understood, you know, all these things and she'd obviously had sight of Jacob's files and, and understood his background and stuff like that. But both of those times, we didn't have that kind of investigation that was ongoing past a couple of hours. So we didn't have that worry. We didn't have that panic. And I think for the most part, we shrugged it off because we we're like, well, we didn't do it kind of thing. Um, and I think, like I say, I think shame is probably more prevalent for us than blame is. And I don't want to murky the waters in that, but I think that would be my experience oh. on reflection after many years of, of you know.
0: Well, that, that that is an interesting point, isn't it? Because it could be that, that people people do feel shame and that shame is like it's, an, it's a gnat's hair away from blame, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so any sort of... I think that there's a quote here that um, I'm going to read from a special needs jungle and we put the, we'll put the link in. And it said, um, this is from a woman called Catherine... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that name. You <laughs> right Oh it. my God! Yeah, I did really well. <laughs> Catherine... Uh, um... <laughs> Most send parents will have experienced some level of parent blaming, whether it's a head teacher tutting as their child is late for school again, or formal letters threatening fines for non-attendance. It might be the questioning of routines and rules at home or the suggestion that the child would fit better into the school setting only if only the parent did something differently. For many years, I didn't put a name on this behavior or consider how offensive it was. My focus was on presenting myself as a good parent, trying to show the professionals that I was doing everything they wanted. Eventually, I realised they were blaming us for our child's difficulties. Mm. And I thought that's a really good quote from Catherine. Mm. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> um, well, it is. And I think that
1: um, if we just going back to before you go on to Elaine there, um, uh, last week, so we've um, over the summer been hosting foreign students from different countries um, who are around, well, between the ages of 13 and 16. Um, and last week we actually got a message from one of the, um, the, they've gone now, so I can, I can talk about it. I'm not going to mention any names, but basically the, um, the, the child's teacher, cause the teachers come with them, um, from their own school. And, um, essentially, uh, the, the child got a rash. Now he'd been with us for 12 days at that point. He was due to go home two days later. We had been, uh, you know our house, you know, something different for dinner every night, you know, lunches are, are kind of thought through because we had to give them a pat lunch every day and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, long story short, you got a rash. Now we'd been, um, to an aqua park, which was outside it was in a Marina had to wear a rubber wetsuit. Um, obviously there's water, there's, there's kind of bacteria in the water and stuff like that. So the, the rash could have been forever from anything, but to be told by this teacher, who didn't have any children of her own and who was apparently very blunt and to the point, according to the language center that we we are with. Um, she she basically messaged us and said, please um, you you your food is causing this rash. Yeah. After 12 days. So, you know, everything'd be mixed, they'd had repeated stuff, mm. uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and and an actual fact, that's probably the one of the times that's most kind of prevalent in my head about being blamed for something Now, needless to say the message back wasn't exactly soft didn't land softly um because we're very direct because you know i'm not being funny i'm i'm this isn't my first rodeo with um teenage boys and i'm not i'm not going to put up with that sort of stuff and and that's what i'm saying by maybe because we're kind of just we bat them away like Mm -hmm. flies maybe that's just our way of dealing with it so therefore i Perhaps don't see the difference between the blame and the shame thing, and also when I'm mm. at, when I'm being blamed for something, I'm just like, oh well, never mind, bug off. You know, mm.
0: I'm wondering why know. we got you on this podcast, Scott. To be honest with you
1: now, <laughs> <laughs> does that mean I can go and have my dinner then? Thanks. No,
0: definitely not. You're here for the you're here for your bubbly personality. Um,
1: no, but I'm just I'm just trying to say that no, no, it's, it's, you know it's, some people yeah. might not might not kind of get the difference, and and you know it's yeah it's. It's something that people may not have thought about in the past,
0: but I don't think that's particularly normal. I mean, Lynn, do you think that's normal that that response to that? That people, do you think people take on blame, or do they? Are are people receptive? Are some people receptive to blame? Some people take it on. Other people bounce it off. What? What have you got? Any anecdotes you can share about?
2: I. I responded in my own very personal, special way (laughs) during our most difficult years. Um, And some of that I'm not proud of and I'm not ashamed of because I've since learned um, how the nervous system works. And I know what was happening under the surface for me, for the professionals, for my child. So I kind of in some ways, I kind of I just feel quite stepped back from it all now as just kind of a natural process that happened between individuals because of things that that happened I don't know if that makes any sense what I've just said but so for example when when um when my daughter started secondary school primary school was all right but when she started secondary school I mean it just all hell was let loose and um one of the things that school did was um, set up like a report system so she had to get ones and twos in every lesson for a whole week uh, and she'd get a chocolate bar on a Friday and um, we said look please no please don't do don't use food but I wasn't in the best place emotionally at that point I was still trying to hold down a, a almost full-time job um, while constantly picking up the pieces of, of what was going on with this really small child just arrived at secondary school um, only diagnosis at that point were attachment and trauma, which had held us in primary, but were not going to hold us anymore. Um, so, as much as we said, this said, well we are trauma informed as a school, we've done all the training, and that was probably the most unhelpful thing because they had done the training, but they hadn't really understood it mm. or put it into practice. but the fact that they'd done it created quite a block because they believed that they were trauma informed yeah so so they did this thing so uh, what happened was, if both of you have met my daughter who I adore, and I'm very proud of her resilience and her you know she doesn't take any nonsense from anybody and so she the very first time she got a three in one of the lessons that teacher's card was marked I don't know about her card being marked but that teacher's card was marked and all hell was let loose as far as she she split she spoke to other students she spoke to teachers she started rumors about that teacher in that class she got other students on board for you know being really disruptive she would um you know I, and i know she's actually incredibly proud of these stories because that's who she is you know there's no shame for her in any of this she's like well why should they uh, a little touch of the pervasive what is it P- pervasive drive for autonomy uh, rather than pathological demand avoidance um but she's proud of it. But you know, so it's for example, she she told me she deliberately rocked on her chair throughout a lesson and um, to annoy the teacher that I had given her a three. and um, and then the teacher, lost the plot and made a stand in the corner and for the whole 10 minutes she said can I sit down yet can I sit down yet can I sit down yet can I sit she just broke the teacher she was all right you know she wasn't she was broken actually this, but yeah. nobody this is, very, had seen this is a very that.
0: dark part of the podcast
2: this is how our life was for two whole years um so she she was only in mainstream like for Uh, for year eight, Uh, sorry, for year seven, she didn't make it to year eight, but most of year seven, she was not there, you know, and lots of things happened that were really, really dark things that happened in the classroom that, that she did, you know, she didn't have the stop point that adults have to have. So, and she, she knew where their stop point was and she knew she could go over it. So, so anyway, back to the original thing of the, the chocolate bar, Um, So it was a bueno that she picked and the person in the whatever they call, I can't remember what they called, like, you know, the special block for the pastoral and senko. Hmm. Poor, vulnerable souls. um, Bought a big box of Bueno, which she saw. She knew it was there. She never, ever got one. Um, So, obviously, at home, we went and bought a big box of Bueno. And every Friday, we gave her a Bueno when she came home from school. Um, That was not seen as being supportive to school. You know, another time, she got detention. And um, she got detention lots and lots and lots of times. So, what they saw... Was a girl who was like, right, well, care what am I on now? Am I on a C3? I'm on a C4, I'm on a C5. Well, are you gonna, when is it gonna be a C5? Can you up it? because um, this is who she was and potentially still is in the right environment. Um, so so she got detention. All they saw was this kind of defiant girl. What we saw was a girl who came home and sobbed in detention because some of the kids looked like men with beards, and she was terrified. Mm. They didn't see any of that, but we did. Um, and so, yeah, so I don't, oh, it didn't go well.
0: <laughs> no, but it's interesting because I, <laughs> listening to that, I was trying to kind of, I was, I was putting myself in the position of, of a professional or a social worker and I would kind of, you yeah. kind of go, is there an element of, I'm not sure how to fix or how to, how, what can I do to this child? And actually the, the only sensible yeah. person I can talk to is the parent. So that's the place you go to. That's instinctively, we go to the parent and we say, we say, right, okay. You need to back us up, or you need to support us, or you need to change what you're doing so we can get them to behave here.
2: And I think the problem that's... was they weren't uncertain, Al. I think they were quite certain of what needed to happen, which was they needed to just increase the sanctions until she got the message that she couldn't do that in this school. Um, and yeah. I don't think they had any clue that the boy sitting next to her flicking a ruler. Was a sensory overload for her, you know. There was just it was there was too much. Leaving the car in the morning and walking into the building and seeing these kids that looked like men hitting each other with bags, it was banter. Mm. I knew that, but yeah, her little yeah. nervous system didn't know that. She was petrified all the time. Absolutely, really but, and,
0: and I'm not diminishing that. But what I think is that yeah. as a professional, you 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 are whatever profession you are, so education or social care, that that sort of world. Yeah. You, you, the only thing you can get a grip on is the parent. And yeah. I'm not saying that you were at fault in anything that you did because, you know. Oh, you know, what's in the end. Well, well, let's not open that kind <laughs> not, of word. Um, no, no,
2: not to the point of, of anything social care would have been interested in. But, but in the end, under- you know, I was less than helpful.
0: But you but can understand few, how a as a professional, things. you would then kind of go, oh, this person. These are mm. the people to, and I'm using inverted commas, these are the people to blame because we're not getting anywhere. That if we if they were to back us up, or if they were to parent differently, or you know even the thing about the Buenos, um, if they were to not give the Buenos, then our our consequences would work. But they're just damn she well. She would undermining. work harder for
2: the Bueno, wouldn't she? Surely, you know, she'd work yeah. harder for the Bueno. She didn't get one anyway without but, earning it.
1: So, but that doesn't work, and and I mean, so I I I'm just kind of relating this um com, this part of the conversation to accommodations because as parents, and we spoke to Jeff Noble about that, that this week, actually, we we spoke to him for a future podcast. And um, one of the interesting things that I heard him say when he was in air was about accommodations, because actually, again, shaming people into, um, you know, oh, your child, you know, you've, you shouldn't do that for them, you shouldn't do this for them. If I didn't do that, and Elaine, I know that you're, not necessarily the same, but you're very similar in your approach that actually, if I don't make those accommodations, my child won't live with us. It's that simple because we couldn't, we couldn't live with them. Um, and, And I think that when, you know, when we think about the school thing, yes we have to make accommodations at home just to get through life and just to stay sane yeah. and to look yeah. after ourselves and you know that's all the sort of things. and you're
2: right they made our home very very unsafe yeah. because the fallout at home it was mm-hmm. I, I mean i you know i'm not going to tell any stories other than things that i know she's really quite proud of let not just <laughs> not just gives permission but she's proud of some of yeah, those she's stories a character. because Yeah. You know, she's quite rightly sees it as, you know, I didn't let them do that to me. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She knows that she knows that she couldn't. She was in the wrong environment. You know, lots of things weren't right about it. But, um, you know, she's proud of those stories. But there are a lot of other stories that I can't ever tell and Mm -hmm. won't ever tell. But you're right. There would have come a point where what would have happened. And, you know, this is why I started with the thing about what what I don't feel equipped to talk about is because, you know, for me, there's always this mirror of, you know, I'm parenting somebody else's children, somebody else's children who didn't have the privilege and resilience that I've got to yeah. be able to manage the system, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I will never lose sight of that um, or, or, you know, not pay attention, give it due due kind of attention. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with, um with my daughter, it would have got to a point where I would have been in prison. <laughs> Not quite. But, you know, I, my parenting, I, I wouldn't have been able to maintain it with yeah. everything that was coming at me. And that's where I feel like I can't really continue to the point of of um, really hitting that home because I've only got my children because mm-hmm. some of the poor person was really broken by the system and couldn't do what I could do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So That's, I feel like I
0: don't,
2: I don't want to go too far down that road of what they would have done to our family because I've only got my girls because,
0: Yeah, you yeah, you
2: know, yeah. I want, family. I want
0: to, I'm trying to get my arms around this lot because we've kind of gone a slightly different way. But I think the, the thing for me is that you both talked about accommodation. So that when we talk mm-hmm. about that, we mean that we... That we adjust our hmm, standards or we adjust our parenting? No, our style.
1: Our style. Our
0: style. But maybe yeah. standards. So things that you perhaps well, wouldn't have. W- I
1: don't thought. think it's about our standards so well, because I think no. that you can still deal with things, just not in the kind of. So, you know, how.
2: Not with punishment.
1: Yeah. Or, or not straight right. away or maybe in three days time or five days time or maybe even a week's right. time.
0: So, in the red corner, me as a professional. I come into your house, and I've, I, I come into a house, and I, and I hear one of your children call you a name that is highly inappropriate, and they've mm-hmm. smashed up their bedroom. And I say to you, so what? What's that all about? What have you done? What have you done? Yeah, exactly. To address yeah. that,
2: made myself a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did a bit of deep breathing. <laughs>
0: we we left them to and went out for chips, um, and <laughs> th- then as a parent, that. Is it because of my training? Is it because of society expectations around parents that we that, then I would then say, oh, hang on, you, you know, I understand that you've got to make accommodations, but you have kind of taken you've stretched that that too thin that you're now you're, this child is running, this child has no consequences. Maybe, uh, no, that,
1: see, I think if a social worker came and did that to me, that I would be. I mean, thankfully, we've not had many social workers in our life, but I I would be showing them the door because what I'd want them to say is, mm-hmm. is everybody okay? I will go and put the kettle on. And that's, that is the approach that you need to have if that's gone on in the house. Because... Nobody needs to, you know, nobody needs to be questioned on how they've, how they've dealt with it, even if it's, you know, 10 minutes afterwards or yeah. an hour afterwards or two hours. If it was five days later, that's different. But if it's there and then, and it's just happened, or, you know, it's it's still fresh, then it's it's more about the care for these people that have just been through a very traumatic, another very mm. traumatic experience because the chances are this hasn't the first time that's happened, and yeah. if it has, then
0: yeah. But I'm, you're talking about an ideal. I'm really, I'm going yeah, to quite yeah. I know, but that's, what, but,
1: but that's but that's what I'm saying. That is the ideal, you know. Yeah, that is but, the way it should be dealt with. Absolutely, not
0: but you're not but normal, I sh- and I would I'd suggest be... that we're the wrong people to do this, aren't we? Because yeah, well, we're not normal. You, <laughs> clearly, well, no. In the hard. sense that you're at a position in your life, and so is you, Elaine, that you have felt. But I do know that you've both been. Knowing you for quite a few years, that there are times when you your resilience is pushed right down. You've oh, you've, you've you've had it for months, and then a professional yeah. comes in and they go yes. and they come in and they've got the case file, and they've they're they're a child protection social worker. Or they're they've got power, mm. and they say, "What's going on here?" Then. Yeah, And that's a different conversation, isn't it? And I
2: think for me, I'll go back to what, you know, the thing about standards and, you know, have you gone too far with your accommodations when your child doesn't have any standards to meet? I mean, you know me, Al, that's absolutely not me and has never been me. You know, um, we've always had really high expectations of the girls and really high standards, but we're prepared to wait a long time to see that come to fruition Mm. we know what we're aiming for and you know we don't deviate from that and we know um we have a bit of an idea of what that path needs to look like and when you're talking about a situation you know the example you gave your child just called you a name and smashed the bedroom up and it's about thinking systemically isn't it of you know that isn't a situation that's just happened now between you and your child that's something that is the context is wider, you know. There's mm. something in the system around your family, whether that be school, something that's happened in the community, something that's happened on social media. And until you can get to a place where you can have those conversations with curiosity, and you need to create the kind of environment where your child will tell you, and um, you know, you don't know enough yet to do anything. Mm. Yeah. All I know yeah. is something has happened because something is going on for them and things have got broken. I don't know, that doesn't tell me nearly enough to make an informed decision about what I need to do about it.
0: So, is that then a case that social well, say, we, we'll use the example of social workers, right? So, a social worker has been, you've asked them in for support, they've come in, they've looked at that, or oh, there's been a concern I have raised. I've never
2: asked them in for support. How dare you?
0: Well, I did once no, and never again. Um, yeah or or someone raises a concern or an allegation or there's a reason why a social worker comes um, is it then that actually we need to have a, a workforce that has a, a better understanding of your life Scott that they understand the, the whole concept of accommodations versus you know you're striking while the iron's cold you're winning you're not winning battles you're winning wars all of that kind of shizzle
1: absolutely and I think that's why um and just put that out there i think the, the three of us got on really well because we understand how each other parents and i know you two are social workers um by trade I'm and not. profession oh no you're not sorry i do Thank apologize you. for putting that label on you. Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> okay so you're both professionals in or you have been in the past because i know Elaine, yeah. you're, you're just getting back into things now but um my point is that um you know i know that i can be i i, I properly me and properly parent in front of you guys because you guys understand my family um uh, a a social worker coming in through the door needs to get to know me first and and Mm -hmm. needs to see us in action not not from a kind of you know a like supervising us kind of way but just to get to know us and get to understand how the family dynamics for a start the young person that you know is is there what is there you know how how do they deal with stuff you know blah 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 blah, blah. now normally there's a lot of masking goes on there's a lot of acting goes on when there's visitors all that sort of stuff but Mm. for the most part you know you can kind of peel back the layers a little bit once you get to know somebody and I think that's, for me, that's what it's about is, is more that style of social work where there's actually a little bit more empathy about Mm. the circumstances rather than, you know, and I don't get me wrong. I know that, you know, there are some children who are really at risk and, and, you know, that Mm. might be a different kind of conversation, but my experience, I don't have any experience of that. So I can't speak on, on, on that topic. Um, but certainly um and i'm not not saying that you know we've been perfect parents all the way through this my god we've made some hooli mistakes over the years um but all i've wanted when someone who who we've requested support from comes into my home is for them to at least have that empathy to look at the situation first before they question um you know our our kind of our approach to things and Mm. how things happen in our house You know, and and even like when we've had um, the uh, family liaison officers from the police um, and and we've had them in the house maybe four or five times over the years, Um, you know, they've been probably the most, they've probably been the people with most empathy that we've ever had in our house because they've kind of taken the time to understand us before Mm -hmm. they then action something do you know what i mean and yeah. yes we've you know we've had referrals for um you know to to children's services as a result and you know safeguards has been called and stuff but actually because of their kind of initial contact with us it's that you know they've done it they've done it the way that i think it should be done
0: maybe that's why my opinion the way it is i don't know well i do think we're not particularly um, with hindsight and on reflection two things i have that yeah it's rubbish words. Um, we're not necessarily the right people to have on the podcast, aren't we? <laughs> because we are in the sense that we have all been on a journey. And I was thinking, because yeah. Elaine and I often, well, and you as well Scott, we, we work, we've done sessions with families around their parenting mm-hmm. and people coming to us and sort of saying, oh, this is what I'm doing. It's really difficult. And being absolutely honest, their children are one thing and they're not responsible for their children's behavior. But as the adult in the room, they respond yeah. they are they do have such a huge influence that they have to take some responsibility and so right. i've you know, probably each one of us have probably all talked to a parent and thought yeah you've missed you your expectations are too high yeah. so you are at fault or your approach is not good
2: i'm not sure that i agree that we're ever responsible for our children's behavior unless they're really tiny but i do think we're responsible for our parenting and for giving the right messages and for um you know providing the limits and boundaries that's where our responsibility ends because with some of our children there really is nothing beyond that that we have any control over so certainly in mvr working with families that's one of the things that we really unpick quite early on is where does parental responsibility end Um, And some parents really get themselves in a bit of a mess because they feel overly responsible for their child's behaviour. And then they can't ever be responsible for their child's behaviour. You know, if, if, for example, children going to school or children not coming home from school and going absent without leave for a couple of hours, you know, there are things that parents should be doing at that time but they're absolutely not responsible for what the choices that their children are making and that's i think quite grounding once as parents we've really got a sense of what's my parental duty here in this situation mm. and what actually is outside of my control yeah. it's much more reassuring when professionals do come through the door to be able to have those conversations confidently that i have done this 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 and this outside of that um obviously is that it's not within my control.
1: Hmm. And that's interesting when they get beyond 18 as well, isn't it? Because often they're not able to be independent. Yeah. They can't manage but it's their way own.
2: before that, isn't it, Scott? Really? Yeah. I'd say I mean, I'm really, only doing
1: that with two Maybe fourteen, 18, you know.
2: Yeah. I'd say maybe oh. from about 14, there was lots of things where we realised we're going to be doing more harm if we try to control certain yeah. things now at this yeah. point than yeah. if we, Except that we've done our part, you know, we've provided a safe environment, we've given the right messages, we keep giving the right messages. and um, you know, the the level of safety allows us to step back to a certain degree and allow them, you know, to take some responsibility. And I think it's way before 18 really.
1: Yeah. No, no, that I feels- mean I meant there's still like elements of that when they go past beyond
2: 18. 18. Yeah. Because yeah, I'd totally. be with you,
1: you know, I have a I have a uh a 17 year old who is extremely independent. Um, and I've had to make those decisions, like you just said there, because mm. actually he's seventeen, he can get on the bus, he's got a bus pass, he can go wherever he likes. But mm. I can't, you know, I I yeah, exactly. He has to make his own choices and his own mistakes, but also
0: yeah.
1: you know, let's not forget but, to celebrate the good good things that he decides to do as well, you know, that are, that yeah, are positive. Absolutely.
2: But he but wouldn't be able to do. If you didn't have that freedom to be able to make those choices,
1: exactly. But doesn't yeah.
0: that fly in the in the face of what we as a society expect? So you know, you've got the notion of beyond parental control, um, which is a, a legitimate reason for children to be brought into the care system. Now, how often that happens is probably really, really infrequent. But I would sort of probably put myself in that position in certain aspects of some of my children, going, "Actually, they're going to do what they're going to do. I can do all. I can do all the right things." but that doesn't change the fact they're going to do what they're going to do. But I think I want to rewind back to this idea of what, how do we approach parents when they're actually, their parenting isn't very good. And I don't mean in the terms of mm. like from an early health point of view, but from a, an adopter, foster us, kinship arrangement. Yeah. How do we step in in a way that, because actually, say for a, a hypothetical, we've got a family who's, who's got incredibly strict boundaries um, really high levels of rules. Um, you know, we, talk, we often talk about low demand environment. This is a high demand environment, high, really high expectations. And the child's got complex needs, early adversity. And it's just causing massive amount of conflict in the home. How do you then address that behaviour or those, that system or that parent in a way that doesn't, because they are, to, well, are they to blame? I
2: think it depends how long you've got, doesn't it? I mean, and that's part of what, you know, the, certainly the literature that, I read that you sent me before this podcast, you know, he's saying that um, social workers don't have the time to go in and get to know families. You know, we've both been delivering on, a master's course, haven't we, Alan? And um, there's been a we lot have. of professionals there in the room, and you know who are currently working in early help, not not um, child protection, not even child in need. And they're you know, in one local authority, I think it's something like um, they're expected to finish working with a family within ten weeks, um, do their assessment, put together a plan, provide the interventions, review. And walk away in ten weeks. Now, I, I don't believe there's a lot that you can do in that time without building that relationship. Presuming you've got time to build that relationship, that's where you can start from a you know curiosity point of view. I think curiosity is probably one of the biggest gifts that professionals have is yeah. talk to me about your reasons, you know, for, for the, why things are the way they are, why you parent the way you do. That's got to be the starting point and respect where parents are coming from. You know, they're making those decisions for a reason. And, um, and then to, you know, a bit of kind of psychoeducation, you know, around parenting styles, around, you know, where where is it that you think you've got your parenting styles from? And actually that kind of stuff, people do start to have light bulb moments and kind of say, hmm. uh, yeah, you know, but you can't do that in five minutes with a family, with a parent.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, totally. I think that we're probably asking too much of our professionals and then that kind of just compounds the feeling of, you know, and if you've, if you, well, if from an early health point of view, or from like from an initial assessment point of view, which I'm not sure whether initial assessment still happen, um, 15 days, you've got 15 days yeah. to do that, and you got to mm. get, you got to get okay. yourself there, work out what's going on, and then advise or or direct yeah. or signpost, um, and that's. That's really scary, isn't it? Because it's hard not. And if you're under pr- pressure as a family as well, you're feeling a level of pressure. Mm-hmm. And you're going
2: to end up with a checklist, aren't you, really? You're going to end up with something that says mum needs to go for counselling. Dad needs to go to this recovery service and um, they need to get the child to school on time. They just list all the problems and sometimes tell the parent what they need to actually do in mm. order to meet the requirements of Social care leaving them alone, and that's not that's not any kind. Well, that's not of the family solution, support, is it? Is it? Yeah. No, no, it's not any kind of family support. No. You know.
1: Yeah, because those those things would come naturally if the if the source of the issue was maybe yeah the thing that was yeah,
2: and that's without the threat mm. of actually how it can feel having the system involved in, and I say the system, I mean specifically the child protection. system which i would link at once when i worked in early help years and years ago early help was completely separate from social care they had nothing to do with each other and that was deliberate so that families felt safe but now there's a lot of passing back and forth between families families start in early help they're in social care they come back to early help um you know and they share sometimes the same assessment Mm -hmm. and so i think that from a family perspective whether you've got early help, whether you're on a child need plan or whether you've got, you know, a social worker within the child protection framework, it feels like this system, you know, is involved in your life. And, and often there's a threat then, isn't there? So add to everything yeah. else we've talked about, the fact that, you know, you've got people feeling very oppressed and just a fear of, you know, like I did some training last week on um, – like education. And I think it's okay to say, cause it doesn't, I'll change it slightly anyway, just in case, cause I haven't got permission to share the story. But, you know, somebody said to me, I don't want to advocate for my child with school because I'm really scared that I'm going to end up with them thinking that I've got this fabricated induced illness thing. And they're just silenced by this fear. Mm. So they're not, not advocating for their child with school, now I didn't unpick where that comes from, but that comes from somewhere. That comes from a history of having involvement with services that hasn't gone well, or being around other families where that hasn't gone well.
0: Yeah, you know, that's interesting because I was thinking as we were talking, I was thinking about how the different cohorts of people respond to services. So I think as a we're all adoptive parents, um, we've experience of having lovely cups of tea with our adopters our adoption social workers coming around assessing us and yeah. oh, it's all lovely tell me about your childhood oh it's lovely oh yeah oh that must have been fun oh oh, oh that's a disaster and um, depending on your life um and then so we're kind of we're quite happy to open a door to a social worker and that can then but they can then come as a shock if that social worker is very much kind of a hang on
1: hmm.
0: What the heck's going on here? Or you did what? Or your child's come at school and they've said you hit them? Or you know yada yada yada. And that I yeah. think that is a massive shock. But then I think you've got a cohort of like special guardianship parents who who probably the reason they've got their child is because of this probably a long involvement or a complicated story of how they got there, which almost always involves. Well, if they're STO probably does involve. Thing, so that that must impact on how people then. Respond and that level of um, the stakes feel really high, and I don't know whether you've ever felt that. I know I've felt that there was, you know, occasion when there was an allegation, one of my children made an allegation, it ultimately came to nothing. Mm-hmm. But as a member of the workforce, I was up before the laddo, the local area decision maker, mm-hmm. because I was a member of the yeah. workforce. I was up because I work in two areas. There were two laddos, um, Baswa. I had to go to Bathware, who were going to advocate for me, and so Social Work England were involved. Mm -hmm. Um, in the midst of all that all my other children automatically got put on a section 17 am I oversharing? I've not told Mm -hmm. you what the event was Um, (laughs) so all of my other children became section 17 the children in need immediately and then they were trying to unravel the whole story and it felt like my goodness the whole house of cards is going to come down and I'm sat opposite a social worker and I'm thinking I've got to say the right thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I, I can be honest and I was honest, but it felt like I've got to, yeah. they've got to believe me. <laughs> really got to believe yeah.
2: me. I, I, I want to agree with you, but I, I've come across too many adopters who actually seem to have that same level of threat as I saw in birth families when I worked in. In fact, sometimes the birth families that I worked with were less threatened because I mean, this sounds awful, but I don't know how else to say it. But, you know, some of the families that I went to, every single family in that street, the children were on child protection plan because, you know, of the nature of the families that got sent to live in these particular places that were just not desirable places to live, you know. So this was these were families who didn't choose to get put in environments where there was high crime, high deprivation, you know, lots of drug dealing lots of crime and um, and lots of families were, you know, so so I don't think they always understood what process they were in. So I think there was less fear actually, but actually they were at the biggest risk of actually losing their children. And some of them did through the process, but I've seen really high levels of fear in adopters who have yeah. had those kind of allegations. I'm not going to say false allegations or anything, because I don't know, but they've had allegations you know, and they've been so scared because a bit more aware of what can happen.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm looking at the time. We've done almost an hour, haven't we? We've 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 prattled on for a long time. I feel like this I is feel a lot. Like we've re-
2: got nowhere. I feel yeah. like we've. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we should just do some top tips, though. Just so I feel like we've been useful.
0: Okay then, Scott. Top tips. For- the door. <laughs> yeah. Turn the lights <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah
1: pick come out no I'm joking obviously I mean no, that's but- that's that's probably the first thing isn't it um well from my perspective anyway and I don't know where it comes in the ten so i I think they're in no particular order aren't they? um but I think that um you need to kind of understand that the person who's maybe knocking on the door is intending to provide you with some level of support and I think if you if you have a Maybe a feeling that that isn't going the right way, then question it. Maybe, um and not necessarily challenge it, but question it. You know, because you want to be sure that they are there for the right reasons, that they want to support you as a family rather than you know separate you up. And I think that <clears throat> that comes through communication, doesn't it? So if you can communicate well with that person, then you know, yes, that's probably that's yeah. probably the first thing that pops into my mind anyway in terms of a top tip
0: yeah yeah to add to that I think that one of the things I see is that when because these people are in a context of maybe years of really difficult circumstances with their children and it's all come to a head and they may not be the best version of themselves so Mm. take a beat get Mm. someone to help you communicate get someone to kind of support you in that
2: yeah
0: Yeah. do you remember
2: Al we had a situation um it was oh when was it It would probably been three years ago now it was only a little brief a brief kind of like experience of of what had been several years before and do you remember I spoke to you on the phone and we made a list before because it was quite a trigger and it was actually all fine there was nothing at all to worry about but because we'd had some difficult experiences before um you know, I was, I was, I wouldn't say I yeah. wasn't my best version of myself, but I was probably felt quite threatened by the mm. whole kind of situation. Actually, we had it completely in hand, um, and 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 the social worker that turned up was fine. But it really helped that I'd gone through. This is what I want them to know. And I remember you saying to me, "No, they don't need to know that. What? Well, then are they the right tool for for you know what? What would be the benefit of sharing that bit of asking for that? Because that's not what they do. Do you know what I mean?" And, yeah just getting to grips with some of that stuff, like understanding the agendas of the professional that's coming into your home. You can't know who the person is, but you can have conversations about what is it that social workers look at as part, what do they want to know? What don't they need to know? Yeah. What is it that, you know, what is it that cams need to know? What don't they need to know? Because they don't need to, you know, you don't need to go and share your whole story with everyone. You need to tell them the bits that are relevant for their profession and, um, and and you need to listen and genuinely and that's really hard when you feel quite threatened but believe that yeah. possibly they might be coming with something good for us or some you know some good intentions and possibly even something they might say something useful that i haven't thought about you know and so it's really hard as a parent because when you're you know when you're in your uh, fight flight or shutdown state um curiosity is is not something that's easy to access Mm. genuine listening is not easy to access articulation is not easy to access and i think that's where if you know that that you're going to struggle with those things if you can get support beforehand to be able to make sense of it all, so that when you're in the room with that professional you can really hear what they're saying not what you think they're saying
0: yeah definitely I mean, that is interesting. I think we've we sort of slightly slipped towards the allegations kind of, um, how we get mm-hmm. around allegations. But I think that that still is really valid in terms of parent blaming. And I think the, what you're saying there about, Scott, you, you, you said good communication, listen. I think also get, get a second opinion, maybe from a friend or someone you trust to kind of come in and go, no, you're doing okay. Or maybe there's something in that, a trusted friend, like an advocate or a, you know, there's, there's plenty of people out there, but peer support, I think is really helpful because when you get a group of people like, you know, like, like us three, we've done it, we've done it around my, you know, in my garden. And, and you can kind of go, no, that doesn't, you know, people, this person said this to me, no, that's not true. Or "Eh, maybe it's true. Um, And people you trust, good friends, kind of give uh, you a perspective.
1: Yeah. And I think that um, I wouldn't Take any offense if one of you guys and you, you know, I'm not so much now because obviously my children are almost adults. True. Um, but I wouldn't take any offense if you if you questioned something that I said or did because I trust you guys in that respect. So I think the, the, you're right with the peer support thing. If you've got a nice, you know, yeah. if you've got a supportive, um, kind of peer group or um, support network that you you really trust, and it can actually really help if you if you if you need to question something within yourself yeah 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 exactly that yeah totally i mean i might tell you to f off but i wouldn't take offense at it
2: (laughs) we've all got blind spots haven't we and even
0: when
2: when you're doing okay you know Mm -hmm. and this is back to think of when you've got a professional in your in your house you know um they might say something really really helpful (laughs) Do you know what I mean? There might be something that they've they've just got a bit of a different perspective, a bit of insight that you can yeah. go, oh do you know, I hadn't really thought about that. and um, I'm going to take that on board. And I think if you know, if they if they haven't, um I think saying thank you anyway is really helpful. You know, I appreciate that you've, mm. you know, I appreciate that you've you've come and seen us. I appreciate that you're concerned. You know, we've had those conversations with school around attendance. Mm when we've been more concerned about well-being, but school have been more concerned about attendance, quite genuinely being able to say, you know, thank you for being concerned about my daughter's attendance. I appreciate that. That you know you want her to do well. And if we can see the good intentions in yeah. the people that are coming into our lives and we can verbalize that. For one, we will connect with it more. Mm. And you know, and be able to hear more of, of what people are saying. I think if we can do that, it is really helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was exactly the point I was going to make really about that empathy for professionals going, why are they here? And what what's their job and how can I help them? Yeah. Um, and but having said that caveat to all of that is that sometimes there are people in professions that they shouldn't be in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel <laughs> like
1: I, I may have social, I may have social, social work, tonight i'm that wasn't my intention it was just i think that you know the the, when you're under that kind of stress and and you're experiencing the trauma and your children are experiencing the trauma of you know whatever but different behaviors or symptoms all that sort of stuff i think when you're at that kind of place for someone just to come in and judge you that's not helpful Mm -hmm. so it's not about saying that people are bad at what they're doing as in, you know, mm-hmm. social workers or people who are coming in to try and support you, it's just that initial pit, you know, just yeah. to be mindful of that because actually, you know what? After the first time you met them, it might, it might be fine the next time, and then you can, mm-hmm. can talk about everything that happened. You know, that's that sort of way. I just think that you've just got to be very mindful of what where everybody's at in, in the family unit at that point to make sure that yeah. it's not just a right. Well, you know that. Social worker is coming again next week, you know, and you know yeah, I
2: I think you're right. I think you know it's about having compassion for everybody, isn't it? Which I think yeah. will will probably land wrongly for some people who might be listening, but you know, compassion for the social worker and whatever mm. the system they're in. Compassion for the parent, compassion for the child, compassion for whoever it is at school, and believing that everybody's got something to contribute. But yeah. the caveat to that, I would say, is that the there is a power imbalance, and you know, the parent is um, is in a different position, and also I think from the from the perspective of the child's needs. Parents need to be looked after because they're the ones directly meeting the needs of the children. And you know, if parents are getting destabilised, there's a much bigger impact than you know a social worker maybe getting a knock. Yeah. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do have, I mean, I've been I am a social worker, but I don't work particularly in that field. And I'm I work in organisations where I have probably got more time and flexibility than other people. But what I'm I'm really conscious as a student social worker, having been in statutory work for a little you know, just from a hundred days. What I saw was people who felt their hands were tied and that they were Mm -hmm. given, they were put into situations with no resources to try and fix or put in situations at times where they felt out of their depth or go and sort this family out. You've got three weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that then that means that those interactions do become much more fraught or become much more directional when they need to be a bit more relational, you know, a bit more like, Hey, you need to do Mm -hmm. this. Um, and I do, I do, you know, I think I recall there was one incident where a social worker came and it's probably the worst social work interaction I've ever had. Um, and I sat there and I kind of, I, it was really complicated. They were just, they were, they were rude. I mean, and I'm not just saying that, that I, they were rude. And I'm a practice educator. So I can, I've got the professional capability frameworks kind of imprinted in my head. And I went through mm. them all as she was talking to me. And I thought, yeah, you've just failed that one. You've just failed. And I can name them but in the back of my mind there was this other voice going can you imagine coming and sitting in your house and talking to this guy who probably knows the law better than you he probably knows that he's researched every yeah, yeah. he's read every single book about this topic to the nth degree He sat in seminars he's da, 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 and you're dipping in and you've got to kind of you've got to do your social work magic and you've got 45 minutes and he's been doing this for 10 years <laughs> and so I that tempered my experience of how, because I was livid. Um, that didn't mean I didn't put a complaint letter in a long time later, but it, mm. it, that, in that moment, it kind of it got us through. Um, so top tips for professionals. Have you got top tips for professionals then? Because there might be some professionals who've got this far without having like, slammed their phone across the wall or put a negative review on iTunes. Once again,
2: the. <laughs> The name of the person I can't remember her name, but she's she was quite instrumental in signs of safety in developing the signs of safety approach. Is it Sue? I want to say Susie Essex. Does that ring a bell? Anyway, I'm going to credit her with it anyway. Um, Who who said who talked about having the importance of having compassion for everybody involved in the whole context, Um, and I think if if you can do nothing else but have compassion for each individual in the system of whatever is going on um, and also curiosity for me I think that is a really good starting point and believing everybody's doing the best they can
0: it's odd it's almost like a mirror version of the exact tips we've given to parents isn't it well, I, to say, say, isn't I mean it? My, my first one would still
1: be communication on that and yeah. I think that applies to you know everybody in the, in the kind of the the circle of trust, she was saying. Maybe
2: say what you, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe be honest about what you're, you're not really equipped Mm. to understand as well. I think that can be helpful, you know, that, that, I've had professionals say to me, and I have found it helpful. Um, you know, I know that you know a lot more than I do about what we're talking about here. But and there's nothing else they could have said, you know, yeah. because it was true, and um, and that really made me feel able to to be to trust. And to to give our perspectives on things, knowing that it wasn't going to be, oh, this is a parent who knows the system and is going to play this. No, do you know what I mean? She knows too much. It can go the other way. It has gone the other way as well at other times.
0: But Yeah.
2: I've not, it's not gone anywhere terrible because I've spotted that and I've just, I've just zipped it in time. (laughs) (laughs) I I know nothing. You know everything. Um, You know.
0: Oh, yeah excellent Um, so we're just saying it's a mirror image isn't it good communication listen I think I often I, I work with social work students uh, as part of my job and I just just learn listen mm. just listen if, if can you I are you not, one more thing in a minute sorry you, no it's okay listen Elaine it's um, <laughs> a bit patronising <laughs> um, but also the um, and I say to people even if you're not listening sh- teach and I say this to my kids, I say, you don't need to just listen. You need to show me you're listening as well. I need to know that you're listening. And even if, and, you know, and learn those really basic skills. And I think as a professional, if you can do that, people feel mm-hmm. valued and heard. You may not be able to do anything about what they're saying, but it just, it, it's a great connection point for a relationship. And I think oftentimes so many families sort of articulate the sense mm-hmm. of not being heard. And I think that, and that, Is part of that feeling. And it it was
2: connected to that because what I was thinking when you talk about listening is like, who are you listening to? Are you listening to the parent? Are you listening to the child? Are you listening to both? And I think that professionals can sometimes pay too much attention to the parent and not enough to the child and also can pay too much attention to what the child is saying, the child's voice, Mm. and not, not enough really to the parent. And I think one of the things I really like about NVR and when we did I did the NVR training I don't know if it was the same for you Al but with partnership projects was um I remember Peter Jacob saying about the voice of the child and actually it's about the orchestra within the child there are many voices within a child which voice are we listening to that really resonated with me as a parent and has stayed with me as a parent you know which Voices do I need to pay attention to? Some voices are quite destructive and some are constructive, and it can take a certain kind of questioning, curious approach to get to the constructive voices of a child. Because um, I've known many times where families have said, you know, social care and um, prioritize the voice of the child. The child wasn't really in any place at that point to offer anything constructive or useful. Hmm you know no. and that can be tricky.
0: no that that really resonates with me because i know that my children because of their experience their perspectives can change and i think i love what scott always says about if what if you ask my children what they want uh, you often say this what what would your children say if you asked them what they want well me yeah you you always say this I i quote you
1: me dead, I would imagine. But well, No, you know.
0: said that they would want an Xbox. You know, when you say you're in the voice of a child, what would you like? And they go, oh, Xbox. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I've always said that. A new iPad, an Xbox, a, a, you know, a PlayStation.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I, of a certain age, of course. You know, I'm not, not saying they're all like that. But, yeah, they would they would take the opportunity to go for the kind of, you know, the, the things that they need. Yeah.
0: Um, I feel like we started with Parental Blame and I'm not entirely sure where we've ended up.
2: No, but it was that- too big a topic, isn't it, really? Because oh, I'm wow. still at the end. I'm still, and I, I'm g- going to end on, like, I still feel that it's ironic that we're all here with the people's children talking about Parent Blame. And, you know, I know that lots of people listen to the podcast and I just want it to be really clear that, you know, that does make me a bit uncomfortable.
1: I think there's a there's another part oh. to that as well. If, if if that's how we feel, then how do yeah. the you know how do birth parents and biological parents feel? Absolutely. Um, and they you know they're living way worse a, a an experience yeah. than, than we are. Um and yeah, you're right. You know, we
2: well, we're talking about what needs to change. Yeah. What needs to, some of us possibly it needs to um, go
1: way deeper than just we don't have
2: our children or it would look very it'd be in a very different context.
1: Yeah. Agreed.
0: I feel like we could come back and we could, the natural progression would be, no, I'm not going to, we'll not open that kind of worms. I'm not going to mention it. Um, So it's been a wonderful chat and I feel like it's a proper, felt like a proper fireside chat at my house where we're talking about the we not even we didn't even mention the word parental def- deficit either. None of that sort of stuff. You haven't started recording
2: yet. Happy though, because I don't want any of what I've said to be shared.
0: Oh well, it's long. too late now. It's in the can. <laughs> in the can now. So, um, tell me what are your plans for the weekend? What are you doing, Elaine? You and yours?
2: I think we might be going to look at vans. We're at this position in life where we're thinking it might be very soon uh, to get a van to convert it, so we could start going up and down the Northumberland coast. Um, you might have wanted a shorter answer, but anyway, the reason <laughs> being we're at that time is, um, one, um, we're quite desperate to start getting out of the house a bit more. Um, but also, I think we're just getting to a point where we can perhaps have an overnight away without having to worry about the girls being on their own at home. We're not quite there, but we're there where we can start building towards it. So, so yeah, we, can- want it. we want we want to ban <laughs>
0: I can get to your house in 15 minutes if there's an emergency.
2: Yeah, and, and they probably would ring you, to be yeah. honest. I will them. make sure your number is in their phone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, ring and out. what about you, Scott? What are you doing this weekend?
1: Um, good question, because um, we have our exchange students here. I say exchange. So there's no exchange goes on. They come to us and that's it. But oh, it's, it's nicer than saying foreign students, because I hate that word foreign. Every time I say it, it makes me cringe. And I go, why did I use the word foreign? Um, so we've got our exchange students here, but, um, unfortunately for us, you know, the way things are with, um, uh, you know, funding and stuff, we have to keep on supplementing our income. So our Airbnb is, uh, needs a, a, a clean and a changeover for this weekend. So it's mm. not going to be anything exciting, Chores. sadly. Chores.
0: Um, Boring. Yeah. Life. yeah. If wild. I'm not
1: at work, I'm at work. So, you know, yeah boring yeah.
2: life is, is good
0: though isn't it really? however
1: in a couple of weeks we do have the baby shower for my first grandchild so you know. oh is
0: that in um are you coming over to blighty for that
1: yes yes in a few excellent weeks excellent well
0: that's fantastic I, i've got nothing planned um Oh, is it not wood my... collection
1: time for you? Is it, is it, is no, no, not no. Time it, you're
0: you're, you no, you're no, probably
2: no. going to find there's a barbecue you know nothing about happening.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> why my I wife. <laughs> the that's amount likely. of times I've left the house and come back and discovered forty-five people in the house with, <laughs> with raw meat.
2: I, I believe just... you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's nobody shouting the surprise because it's just, a, you just
0: yeah. oh. Yeah. Do you know, there was once a friend when our old house, a friend decided to have a get married in our garden. because we' had quite a big garden. We had a very big garden, and then um, they. Uh, I came home from working a Friday night and in my house. There was maybe 150 people in the garden preparing for the next day. And I decided I'd plan to cut the grass before they put the tent down, all this kind of thing. And I got in and I was like, I was, you know, I was maybe in my mid thirties and I was a bit arty. And I was like, oh man, I was in the garage going, I was going to plan, I'm going to have to go out and I'm going to move all the chairs. And this guy I've never met before in my life, he came up to me and he went, he went, chill out, man. There's beer in the fridge. Just get one. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, and I was like I don't even know who you are you know like you, you just, just you've made yeah. yourself a home in my life anyway that's that's so that, that hopefully that will well hopefully that won't happen but probably will happen um, and yeah. then I believe yeah that, it yeah, yeah it's a start of summer holidays so the kids will be up to no good no doubt excellent yeah. nice. Enjoy. Well, on, that, on that bombshell um, Bon Jovi Bon Jovi uh, we need a third um, anyway Goodbye, Elena. Yeah. <laughs> what
2: what? Bon Jovi? Is that goodbye? No, that's yeah, yeah, Have you it's... never
1: have you never listened Wait, to the listen podcast? Band,
2: before. But, no. Well, yeah, but I don't always get to the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do really. I listen to them in the car.
0: Yeah. Oh. Um, anyway, we're slipping into in fandom. So you have to say Anchovy so Bon Jovi. Anchovy.
1: No, 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 yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. You need to pronounce it properly. Bon Jovi. Anchovy. Anchovy. Okay. Anchovy.
2: Again.
0: Right. Okay. Bon Jovi.
2: Anchovy.
0: Anchovy. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's. fine. Oh, and on that bon.
1: Oh, I'm that completely me. lost.
2: Anyway, yeah. Goodbye. Thank you both Adios. for having me. It's been a blast.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for coming along. Um, <laughs>